John Carter was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. He enlisted in the U.S. Army on a ranger contract and ended up serving as senior scout on a six-man recognizance team in the Long Range Surveillance Detachment 101st, 101st Airborne Division, providing vital services for the Rockefellers in Desert Storm, including securing their oil assets and serving as a medical guinea pig through being forced to take unknown pills and wearing arm monitors on missions, not to mention the 16 shots he had to take in five minutes before heading to the sandbox. So he has some interesting takes on, on everything. But he met and ended up marrying a Brazilian woman, courted by his father-in-law to move to Brazil to manage a truly off-grid family ranch in the Amazon frontier. In 2011, the Botanical Research Institute of Texas awarded John their prestigious International Award of Excellence in Conservation. Now, he's told us in his ITM, he's told his ITM consultant that he has listened to me speak about Brazil and the ongoing brawl for control between good versus evil. Brazilians have experienced horrific inflation before. To that extent, their habits were permanently forged culturally in response. Even to this day, 30 years later, now they're getting sucked into the carbon finance trap with their lands as collateral. Additionally, John has written that in 1996, my wife and I moved to the Southern Brazilian Amazon to live on a 21,500 acre cattle ranch in the Mateo Grosso frontier, located 18 hours from the nearest hospital by truck on horrific roads and trails, which I know a lot about. We lived off the grid with power provided by a diesel generator for four hours a day and water from a spring pumped uphill by a water wheel to our headquarters. We raised our own beef and chicken and maintained a massive garden to feed 15 people who lived there year round. Most rewarding of all was learning about the medicinal plants the surrounding forest provided in abundance. The local cowboys and pioneers knew a lot, but it was not until we met the Indians in the Zingu region that we really understood the brilliance of their diet and natural pharmacy. Now, today, he's a cattle rancher and conservationist who started the Brazilian Rainforest Conservation Organization, Alianza de Terra, that now manages over 14 million acres of Amazon land, as well as their ranches in Texas, Mateo Grosso and Panara, I'm probably butchering those, I'm sorry, Parana, and, and they say, he says, don't fear, fight with truth, which is exactly what we do here on the Coffee with Lynette channel. He's been on The Late Show with David Letterman, and he did a TED Talk in 2011 on conservation, just to mention a few views of his work. But what really struck me was when he said that you'd like to talk, he'd like to talk about how a small idea could turn into a revolution, which is frankly what we all need right now. This is just a little of his background, and I'm so honored that he's joined us today. We're just gonna kind of dive in, but I'm like so excited to talk to you today. I really am. It's like, yeah, oh, wow. It's an honor to be here. You're, uh, you're one of my, my heroes. I really respect you for what you do and what you say and your bravery and your Everything that you say is like, well, thank God someone's saying it. Wow. Well, I, I you know, I'm going to say I am so honored to have you. And I, I always like to ask this one question, um, and that is, why are you doing everything that you're doing? What motivates you? Well, I think um, uh, it's focused rage and a lot of anger at having uh through good faith, uh, worked to try to bring solutions in Brazil specifically, in the Amazon, to a massive problem. Um, 
which is really anarchy on the frontier, on the Wild West frontier. And so my idea was to create a landowner-based uh, movement um, of land stewardship, God-focused. And I got tied up because of my own fault with um, the opposite side of the coin with creation-focused Darwinians that are from a handful of institutions and academic uh, you know, universities that um, – turned out to be all funded by the Rockefellers, you know, back in the sixties and to launch this entire global UN sustainable development agenda 21, um, carbon trap. Um, so this new, the great reset being a, you know, new, totally new economy, economic system based on natural resources and energy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where, uh, when I started to with through good faith to work with some of these org- people from it seemed at the time from various organizations, I didn't realize it all had, they had all been created by our State Department, right. um, funded through USCID, as well as, as you know, created the brainchild being World Wildlife Fund, which in itself was created by Prince Philip and Prince Bernhard um, in the Rockefellers. So when I started to figure that out, I then said, well, you know, um, I'm in the race already. We've created something uh, that's doing a lot of good. And now the now the task is, who is going to run it, me or them? And who's are they going to hijack us like they hijack Greenpeace and everything else, or are we going to be able to survive? So that's what motivates me. It's the fight, really. It's not to give up, and and it's to do right because they hate, they can't stand results. They can't stand people doing the right thing because it exposes the the fraud that they're, they're you know that they're leading. Yeah, which is the entire financial system is just one big fraud. That's, you know, definitely. But I'd like to, you know, your wife is Brazilian and you moved to Brazil in the mid 90s. So can we talk a little bit about the hyperinflation that they experienced then, what's going on there now and how that's impacted people? Sure. Um, So by the time I moved there, they had been through... um, this massive stress, but I mean, real, a quick history, Brazil was a military regime up until 1985. And, but during the military control, they call it the economic miracle, the milagre economico, um, but, but that increased public debt massively. Um, and so what happened is it created runaway inflation, um, you know, government crackdown, massive violence, uh, chaos really. And so that, that's what perpetrated this handover of power back to uh, free, supposedly free, re-democratizing Brazil. Mm-hmm. That was in 1985. And then the, the big deal was the Caller plan was President Caller, who was uh, March 1990, I believe. And he, uh, he was elected under the, you know, let's make America great again. Let's make Brazil great again campaign. It's the exact same thing. Right. And, once he got in, I don't know, it was soon after he was elected and took, um, took power that they had a bank holiday for three days. And over the, that three-day period, uh, the, right up, a, up at, till that time, December 28, 1989, um, inflation in Brazil was 1,764%. So... Yeah, and then it's kind of hard of, for people to wrap their brain around that level of inflation. You yeah. know, do you know what that looks like? Maybe you can help us wrap our brains around it. Well, I, I can tell you how you react after you've been scalded, um, <laughs> and it affected Brazilian psyche up until this day. Mm-hmm. So they callers the caller plan froze all bank accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts uh, for eighteen months, and so it wasn't a buy-in where they gave you shares in a, in a bank. They just took your money and locked it up. And then after 18 months, you didn't get your money back. You had to go to court to get it back. So it was, it was, it was theft. Mm-hmm. And they passed a, a tax called IOF, EOFE, which was, uh, and it was in existence when I got there, that taxed every deposit into your account. So if you deposit 10 bucks in your account and you, your mom gives you money for Christmas, you deposit an account, all that's taxed, even though it's been taxed before. So it taxed all deposits, um, they brought in a new currency. They privatized state-owned assets, which meant that you know the the J.P. Morgan's and the, you know the Merrill Lynch's got everything. They picked up everything, right. the mining companies, what have you. They opened up markets for foreign investment. 
which is great when exchange rate is, you know, massively favors a dollar. You go in there and pick up everything for pennies on the dollar. So that led to the collapse of the middle class entrepreneur. Um, so, I mean, virtually everything he promised to do to help the country, he did the opposite and didn't stop inflation. Um, right. So by the time I got there, they had a new president. They had a new economic plan called the Real Plan. And um, but what was and still to this day, you don't keep money in the bank. If you get a, if you get a payment for you know, revenue or something, you already have a plan before it hits the bank to get it out of the bank. Um, so uh, you sell cattle. Well, you have land, you know, you have something earmarked where you're going to take that uh, capital and stick it somewhere to get it out of the hands of the bank. Because in the bank, thanks to the World Wildlife Fund and the environmental movement, um, installed all these environmental laws, which they can fine you. Um, they can, you're guilty before proven innocent. They can lock your bank account, and then you have to prove that you're innocent because they say you, you know, you tore down some tree. Um, so it's been weaponized. Um, but that all what that really did is all that pressure. Um, you know, you start to put pressure on people; they're going to find a way around it, and that created a black market. Um, and that black market includes a bartering system. Um, so what? You know, if you want in a money laundering system that everyone in the country uses, including the justice people, the judges, the prosecutors, they all do it. Um, that's what's so it's a big cartoon like the sheep and the sheepdog. Um, during the day, you, your enemies and at night, you all everyone cheats. Um, and that's that's Brazil. That's what happened to the country. So they maintain two sets of books. You saw the books you're going to show the Brazilian Heceta uh, Federal, their IRS. And then you keep your other set of books with the, you're called Caixa Dois, your second account that you run all your operations in. So uh, cash transactions, no receipts, no invoices, um, uh, bartering. When you sell an asset, there's no financing to, to buy a house or, or land or what property, whatever. So you will uh, sell something and expect to be paid a third cash, a third in assets, a third in cars or gold or whatever. Um, and that, it's that way to this day. Um, yeah, and then you have a you to buy dollar. If you want to send money offshore, you get it out of Brazil. Um, you have to go through the central bank, uh, which is uh, tyranny. You have to fill out thousands of pages of forms and promise them where it came from, and um, and then they know everything about you and they got you in the system. And um, so to get around it, what Brazilians do is they set up a, a called a dollar or a dollar dollar man that you will say, hey, I want to ship this money to the United States and they'll, they'll take your money and then they'll find someone in the States then to give you dollars. Um, and so it's all based on trust. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And that, that's very common um, to, to the extent that uh, that's what started the car wash scandal, whatever, 10, whatever years ago. So that's at the other simultaneously when that uh, Brazil was used as a, as a Guinea pig. And so you look at, mm -hmm. Uh, global globalism, they chose certain countries for certain aspects of their global plan. You know, the social credit score in China, Costa Rica for the environmental, and then uh, Brazil for the banking system. So they had an extremely sophisticated banking system that was decades ahead of the U.S. In the 90s, we were doing paying bills online uh, through an online banking system, for instance. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, so that's pretty amazing. So they were testing the system. They tested the system, yeah. And so now what I, having a boot on each side of the fence between the U.S. and there, I obviously what's going to happen here is through the, the whatever new currency in the digital platform that we're going to be stuck into, our financial system will be into it too, and then they're going to lock it up whenever they want to. You know? Well, that, that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about because if so much is done outside of the system, um, you know, a third cash, a third assets, and a third gold, or something like that. You know, uh, how in the world will people be able to function if there is no cash? That's going to be a game changer, and I don't think I don't think that they see that coming. Um, so I, I mean, you mean the people? I mean the people that are currently using that system, which is about everybody, right? Uh, when they take cash away. Um, it's going to, I mean, it, it will collapse the economy um, for sure, because you won't be able to, no one wants to get into the system. So all that black market transactions will, will take a, you know, a big break 
will stop it until people try to figure out an alternative because there's only so many bells and whistles that you can put together to, to barter with if you don't have gold and silver. And they, they don't have the options in Brazil with gold and silver like we do here. Although uh, in the Amazon, um, in the very cusp of the frontier, when I was you know first moved there, people would use gold for bartering in the gold mines. Um, right. So aircraft services, food, everything was paid in gold dust. So that system is alive and well in the Amazon uh, where there's gold miners and stuff. So I, I assume that that will, well, Brazilians will figure it out because um, they've been under the boot heel of the tyrants for so long that they're, they're pretty adept at getting around it. Well, do you see some parallels? I mean, it's great that you've got, you know, that you're, you're between the two countries. Do you see some parallels between what's happened in Brazil and what's happening in the U.S.? Yes, it's uh, so after uh, the Real Plan in 94 came in in Brazil, then the bubble was created and the credit was thrown out there to uh, people that shouldn't have been getting credit that were um, the, the very poor lower class that mm -hmm. were illiterate, uh, you know, car loans, loans to get washing machines and all that. So then, you know, then they, they pulled back the credit and they had all these this chattel slavery, basically. That, that's know. what always happens. And they keep yeah. talking about these digital currencies so that every, it can be, the financial system can be more inclusive. What do you think they're really planning on? Yeah, uh, inclusive, uh, those are the buzzwords. Resilient, yes. it's just, it's, uh, it's the Marxist battering ram uh, to take control of the source of industry and pass it on to the power structure. So. And I remember when I first became a stockbroker back in the 80s, there was all this talk of globalization and I remember thinking to myself, I'm not sure that's such a great idea. Yeah. Well, looking back is hindsight's 2020. And I think that's yeah. where uh, it's, you know, we see our own friends and family that were participants in the system, um, you know, foreign investors or, you know, setting up oil fields overseas or in Argentina or venture capitalists going to Russia, to Brazil and buying up state assets and sell companies and, now they did all the dirty work for the big guys and the consolidation process is just about completed. And uh, we're out, all gonna be out of the job here shortly. And um, so that's, that's self-apparent now. Question is what to, what to do. The, that is a really big question. And I, you know, I mean, my hope is that people see this and wake up so that they can do something. What, what do you suggest people do? What are you doing for yourself? That That's a much better question to ask. People always say, well, what would you do if you were me? That, that's not a very good question because I can say anything. It is, what are you, John, doing for yourself and your family? Well, when COVID, when COVID first, uh, first struck, um, I immediately called all our managers in Brazil. So we still run uh, ranches down there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, plant three times the garden, um, start inventorying everything that we got, all the cash we have on hand, we're gonna risk it and we're gonna buy, we're gonna buy assets, we're gonna buy two year supply of diesel, we're gonna buy two year supply of fertilizer, seed, um, we're gonna start inventorying rice and containers, beans, dry goods, uh, salt, lots of salt, because then we can salt our beef. And, and we lived off the grid for a long time. Yes, you so, did. So, and you know, I'd love it if you would talk about that because you know I have my mantra and uh, certainly haven't done it at the level that you have, but, um, and maybe I need to even do more than I've been doing. But if you would share what that experience is like, because I think people really need to be prepared to, to you know, actually kind of thrive through that, to be honest with yeah. you. Well, so I, I would first of all say that uh, don't be intimidated. Um, it's actually fun. And I relish those times. I wish I could go back and I think my wish is about to come true. <laughs> so uh, in the U.S., in Texas, you know, so I think that first of all, um, you want to be in a community. You don't want to be isolated by yourself. Um, and we, where we were, we were we were pretty dadgum isolated at the time. We, if you look at a map of the world and uh, the least dense population or lowest population density in the world was that part of the Amazon basin um, where we were. So we, we had neighbors that were, uh, no owners lived on the properties. They were all absentee oh. um, and they had, 
really just had a staff of employees and a gunman um, to take care of the gunman. Um, so because it's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. So actually, my wife and I moved to it. Uh, and as owners, we were I'm literally the only people I know for a long way that lived there. So that that then uh, the most important things are, um, of course, water, food, communications and and safety. Um, and safety, uh, a gun comes in very handy. Um, if you don't even have to use it, the fact that you got them and you display them, it, you'll deter 90% of, of the problems for sure. Because, uh, pe- you know, evil seeks out the weak points. Um, so when, as far as, um, you know, preparation there, we dug our own spring out. We, uh, we you learn to be ingenious. And you learn that you don't have to have the exact part and go to Home Depot or Ace Hardware or any other Vanguard company. Um, you can actually make your own from baling wire and a little bit of common sense and some some rubber. So we we uh, built out our own spring, piped it by gravity down to a water wheel that we built using a differential from a truck, um, and then pumped water uphill about a mile, laid a pipeline, and then used gravity then to feed it out to seven houses and we maintained it maybe one time between 20 to 50 people that we were self-sustained on this property so we would um, have our own garden we had uh, dozens of vegetables and fruits and um, slaughter our own beef once a month we kill our own beef and butcher it Um, and on herbs medicinal plants um, i mean it was it was really a lot of fun because you brought in the community together. Everyone had an expertise. Someone was better at uh, medicinal plants, uh, usually the, the older ladies. Um, the gardener was also the butcher. Uh, the cowboys would, um, would help clean out the water tank once a month to get sludge out, whatever. So we didn't treat the water. It was just spring water. Uh, all of our food was natural um, by nature, meaning not by ideology. It was just, it had to be. Um, and, uh, the pro- the biggest problem, um, was parts. And so if you have something that breaks and you need to get a part from a thousand miles away, um, and you have to shortwave radio to try to communicate and, you know, it take, it could take a month or two to get that part. So then you had to, you had to do your homework to have an inventory of parts that you need. And we're in that situation today, obviously. Um, right. you better get, yeah, you better get your filters and, and you better have a friend who's a mechanic and help you, uh, you know, to get by in a crunch and jerry rig things when they break. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of lucky in that regard because my son-in-law is so handy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's imperative. It um, is. Yeah, we had a, a truck driver that became my best friend down there, and his nickname was MacGyver, and uh, he his name is Granville. I mean, he he uh, he saved us more than once. Um, and, you know, ultimately, that, that community w- became um, our family, uh, the people I talk to weekly to this day, even though they don't work for me anymore. Um, so it was, uh, the, I guess, the biggest part of it is you developed a sense of interdependence and love and the, and the love between families. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's what we need today. And you kind of have to go back to the, the dirt, back to the soil to, to get dirty again, to kind of dig for that love again because in the city you're isolated in a concrete jungle it's it's a lot harder and it's really i mean the challenge for most people is what what i've been asking people to do what you're asking people to do is have a paradigm shift and you know they cannot believe that what you just described could possibly happen here even in the face of it actually happening what would you say to that happened i'd say um that just like they have countries around the world where they test they have states in the u.s where they test um they do a lot of testing in california they tested our grid last year in texas a year ago to the to this week actually was the big freeze uh, if we'd been on natural gas and our normal energy supply we wouldn't have had a problem so i do think that uh if people don't know what's going on they can't use ignorance as an excuse anymore um, because ultimately, at some point, uh, non-action becomes compliance, and exactly. then you become guilty, and then you're part of the problem, and then I don't want to see you, um, and get away from me. 
I mean, I've been warning you for you know years. I've been warning family and friends. They told me I was crazy, and today they're uh, the ones who have humility are going. What do we do? Um, and there are a lot of them. Um, and the other ones that don't, I've weaned them. You know, and you've been warned, and we you can only take care of so many people. And <laughs> the things that the powers that be that have launched this thing are just going to go away. No, this has been going on for hundreds of years, and uh, and they have they are three or four chess moves ahead of us. They know what our reactions are going to be, and, and they 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 control that opposition to the point that we are just simply pawns on the chessboard, and they are going to knock us to our knees. Yeah, I'll, so I'll, that's, that's yeah. Well, I was going to say a lot of what I see happening is divide and conquer, right? Because yeah. if we're pointing the finger, well, it's your fault or it's your fault. They're not pointing the finger at the true, the entities that are really, whose fault this really is. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and, and that's where the, uh, a lot of the uh, frustration comes because of uh, the people that they use to divide and conquer are the people they're going to wipe out first. What I would, my main, and I'm, you know, had my military background, had friends that made careers out of the military um, in all branches or all aspects of the infantry, uh, airborne and special forces and rangers. And they all, all to a degree said, we can't fight this. This isn't a fight. It, it, what we have to do is create community to protect people um, and to be able to survive the storm because the storm's coming. It's, it's spiritual, it's biblical. Um, and it's a fool's errand to think that we're going to go out there and, and have a revolution. No, we, we need to prepare communities and what you say is in, and have a breakaway society where we create a, a new system, a bartery system and get out of their stuff. Um, you know, I don't want to, I've divested from all my, anything I had in the market. Yep. Um, me do too. my best not to shop at their stores. Yep, um, me too. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's what we have to do. And if we don't do it, then we'll be on our little islands. They'll just pick us off. But if we can create communities, people who are doing that then um then they're going to have a, a rough time of it um and then you know so i think that's the, the best plan and that's what i see in in the united states we um because uh, i've gone back and forth should we be in brazil to go through the storm or here and brazil's been too beaten and too trained as a colony um, and we still have a spark of independence and in, in that freedom loving uh desire in the states that you're going to have to have and you're gonna to have to harness that to survive what's coming um so that's just what that's just my own opinion and uh and of course i hope i'm wrong you just gave me goosebumps because unfortunately i know what you're saying is true do you have any opinion what's been happening up in canada with the truckers and and cutting them out of the banking system just freezing their accounts and all sorts of other things? Um, yes. And it, I, I mean, who knows the truth? I, I have an opinion that uh, whenever you get groups of people together um, under w whatever auspices that you do, you're going to have the elite uh, uh, trying to steer that and stick people inside that movement to try to either uh, erode its credibility or steer it in a different direction. Um, at the same time, I think what they did was heroic. I think that they're, uh, that, that defiance is you can't take it away from people that see on television. Um, and that's contagious and that I courage so. is contagious. And so I, I'm, I, do I think it's going to stop anything? No. Uh, but it gives me great, uh, I would prefer to die standing, uh, than on my knees. Um, and that's kind of the attitude that I think we should take here. We should say, no, no. If you're going to try to kill us, then we're just going to stop the whole thing now. And we, we too can tango at this game. Okay, so if there's no chance, and, and I mean we can't. The current system is so corrupt and disgusting that, you know, really, ha I think it has to burn itself out. Um, but do you think there's a chance when we go into the new system, if enough of us can come together that we can get some kind of real fair money back and a, and a more fair system? We are the uh, receivers of the aggression because we're not aggressive people. We're hardworking uh, people of society, a global society. And, and hardworking people don't have time to go think about hurting other people. 
Right. And it's just that total power and that total corruption of people's uh, psyche. What's going to happen is they're going to unleash on this, and, and they're going to they're going to have a lot of they're going to get their casualties. But then the people that survive, uh, you'll never be able to control them. And I think we're going to rebuild something better than it was before. And I, I think we're going to be able to rebuild something stronger and better. And I told my daughters that. And um, I said, you know, your, your job is to learn, get smart, do the right thing, and, and keep your powder dry. Um, and, you know, wait. Wait for 15, 20 years, and you will be new leaders of this country. And uh, we will have cleaned house, and we will have them swinging from trees and in jails um, all over the world, the bad guys. Boy, I um, sure hope you're right. I mean, I really yeah. do. That is my fondest wish. Yeah, I, I don't, that's, that's that pendulum always does that, you know, if mm -hmm. it's world history. This time, unfortunately, is I think we're in that last big hurrah where it's global and they have the, oh, yeah. they, control, they control all the levers. They control energy, they control uh, the energy, food and the money. Um, and they're going for broke and they control the militaries. If you read Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley um, or books by Anthony Sutton that went deep into the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, um, go back to Council of Foreign Relations, the World Institute of yes. International Affairs, where, where I've spoken to all the CEOs of the banks of Europe. Um, and you get a sense of massive evil, um, of greed and control that, uh, and that's, yeah, and bankers make money on both sides of the war, so why wouldn't they? So I think that's what's happening. Well, and also with Russia and the Ukraine and NATO, do you have any yeah. opinions on what's happening with that? I, well, my opinion on that comes from just from research and reading. Um, There's an author called William Ingdahl. He was from Texas, lives in Germany now. He's one of the, he's one of the most brilliant geopolitical analysts. Uh, went to Princeton. Um, He's written books about Monsanto, the siege of destruction, um, gods of money. Uh, and then, but he talks about Ukraine um, and in Eastern Europe. It's all theater. Um, they're all working together to talk. That's um, what and, I'm thinking. You know, yeah. honestly, that's exactly what I don't think that it's so much them or us. No. I think they're all working together toward the same agenda. It's all towards the same agenda. And so, I mean, it. it and my friends said, well, that's just impossible. So, okay, well, how did communism start? And they, they don't even know. So, you know, it's a fun time to be alive, Lynette. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I was born at this time. I Me think too. that's why uh, we would not be born here if God didn't want us to be born for these times. And, and we will have uh, the necessary strength and, and acumen to get through it. I don't have any doubt. And that's what they fear. You know? And they fear nonviolence and smart people working together. Um, and that's what uh, gives me great glee and happiness is to to just, you know, shame them um, by doing the right thing. Um, so, and I, and I know that they, they know, uh, I mean, it's, it's obvious what's going on and people at the very high level know, and people in our government know. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I a lot of people know. I don't know if you if you saw this, but, you know, I just did a piece on Ray Dalio's, you know, this the the way the whole system and we're at stage five and the last stage is stage six. <clears throat> but as I was doing some research for that piece uh, and I hadn't come across this before, but the CIA or it's a it's somebody that works with the CIA. They know that we are no longer considered a democracy. We are an anocracy, which is a combination, a loose combination of democracy and uh, and then dictatorship. You know, that was really that admittance was actually really eye opening for me. Yeah, well, yeah, most people don't believe it, but if you go back to the fifties, post World War II, and and you realize that. The Council of Foreign Relations was planning our entrance into the war as of 1938. They were planning our entrance into the war as, as a piece on the chessboard at the right time. And then they were planning post-war after we had won. So how the hell do they know? Huh. Well, because they control the money. Exactly. And, yeah. And the logistics. So, um, and, you know, we, we think we're in control, but we're really not. And then after the war, they uh, set up the CIA with the help of MI6, British MI6, and, and of course put, um, the, what's his name, Alan Dulles is the head of the CIA, who was the Rockefeller's lawyer. 
and then put his brother John Foster as the Secretary of State. So there you go. And, and then they said, all right, get after the East India Company and go conquer the Southern Hemisphere under the guise of saving the world for democracy, and we're going to take all their crap, and we're going to lock it up in parks and Indian reserves and everything else. So we're going to use the American model that we perfected since 1900 uh, to do this. And so that's what they did. And I saw it in Brazil, and I've studied it and researched in that, you know, uh, read a book called Thy Will Be Done, The Conquest of the Amazon, Nelson Rockefeller and Age of Oil. And uh, the author spent 18 years researching it. And it's it's a brilliant masterpiece. And when I read it, I got I, I would cry and have tears because I knew the people in it. And I said, damn, that guy was in the CIA and that guy was doing this. And they bribed this politician or overthrew that president. And then they mapped the Amazon for its mineral resources. And then World Wildlife Fund came in and put parks on top of it. And they, 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 create, they create scarcity by doing that, keep it out of the market, and then they control it. When they want it, they just buy off the government and get it and privatize it. So that's what I think is going to happen is uh, the Southern Hemisphere, roughly, who knows the number for sure, but it's minimum 15 up to 25% of the Southern Hemisphere's land mass has been put into some sort of conservation easement under the guise of uh, save the world, sustainable development, climate change, all that mess. And they those assets are collateral for all the world bank imf loans so when when this collapse happens and they can't repay well guess what the big guys get so um and the the plan was um launched in brazil through the rockefellers and they brought the at the time the organization that was in charge of uh indigenous the indians of the amazon they brought them to the u.s to train with the bureau of Indian affairs to take back to brazil to create the system it, uh, I'll tell you what, you can't make this stuff up. No, you can't make you it know? up. So what would you suggest that people do to, you know, I mean, what do they need to do right now? Because I don't, you know, nobody knows exactly the timing of this. Well, maybe somebody does, but I don't know exactly the timing of this. But it feels awful close to me. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I've spent years reading hundreds of thousands of pages of books and documents and declassified documents and interviews and what have you. And, you know, who am I to make a decision? I still feel inadequate, but it sure feels like uh, the 1930s, just like uh, the war drums were beating in the 30s. They yeah. are going, the war drums are beating now. Yeah. Um, the, the Great Depression, which lasted for um, up until the war started, we're about to get into that period of the Great Depression, um, perhaps worse. And I don't think we're going to have to wait for 10 years to go to war. I think yeah, that I they're immediately so. going to pull the trigger. But that's all in the next five years. So I, uh, I would say um, I would bet everything I had. So based on that and listening to you and your comments in the past, I agree. Why do you want to play musical chairs? I mean, you right. know this happening. You can see this stuff happening. This is the last hurrah. Get out. Um, get out of the system totally, uh, transfer your, you know, fiat money into something tangible, silver and gold, uh, have a strategy on that, um, and, and buy food, buy the stuff that you need to survive now, and, and right. get out of this, this system that we have grown up in of um, materialism, where we think we have to have all this stuff, and, and go back to the basics now, and get trained, and, and, and also get on your knees. Um, and you better get right with God and get your family in order, uh, or you're not going to be able to to ride this bronc that's about to come, you know, get us. So I, that's what my friends and family and my network of people, um, it's amazing. And we communicate almost daily now uh, all across the, the state of Texas and in Brazil, too. Um, we're catching on what's going on and getting prepared for this. So, well, I mean, yeah. you know, it feels very close. I'd say your timeline probably about right. You know, we've got some things coming up next year. I feel like 2022 is really a pivotal year because of what's coming ahead in 2023 with, I mean, it's all big experiments. It's all big experiments. Yeah. And that's where um, I, uh, so I'm, I get to go to uh, these meetings, which uh, are totally useless. They're already pre-planned these global meetings about saving the world from um, fossil fuels and they all go there right. using fossil fuels and then you go to these meetings with all the bankers that 
they're going to save the Indians in India by giving them money and, you know, finance. Well, they're indebting them and they're going to take all their lands. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Going to these meetings and listening to them talking about trade, talking about crackdowns on beef, uh, eliminate animal agriculture by 2030. Uh, no more beef because of methane. Methane taxes, carbon taxes, uh, they're going to put the boot hill in U.S. agriculture and grind it to the ground um, and put it to a stop. And then they're going to turn up the faucet on Brazil, which is going to be able to outproduce U.S. to supply China with what they want. And then once they pound us to the ground, they're going to turn off Brazil and they're going to starve us into oblivion. There are more of us than there are of them, but they have really already, through the food sources and through what people are looking at, I mean, they have really already dumbed down the, really, the population on so many levels. They, they have, and they've, they've um, infiltrated every level of society, uh, from academia to the county level, to the military, to the, the service academies. They have got the machine in their hands, and they know who's going to be a yes man and a yes woman, and, uh, and they, that's, that's who's in power. People who revolted against it that have dignity and integrity, they got now. When you watch this, you realize that um, we are, we've been playing checkers and they've been playing chess. And we're, we're catching on to this at the very end of the game. And uh, we have time to, we have time to prepare, prepare for the storm, which most people don't have time to prepare for storms, the right. hurricanes. Yeah. And so we can get, do, follow your instructions to the T, everything that you say. Um, I mean, the yeah. food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter? Yes. That, that all, of the, all of the above, and I would even say the community is probably number one. Yeah, I would because, say so, too. Because the, in, what you can't get on your own, you can't afford, you can get from a friend uh, or someone in your network. And then, and then how are they going to go conquer our country with thousands of communities like that? Um, they won't be able to. Um, and then... And then yeah, you know, so they, they won't be able to. And, and that's where I have hope is uh, if you understand guerrilla warfare and insurgencies, um, that's what they're going to push society to this decade. And they will end up they will end up uh, being destroyed. It's some it, it will not come immediately, but it will take 10 years. We're going to have to ride this wave and have to have a lot of faith and take care of people and fight this fight, not with anger and rage, um, which I don't do a good job of, but with love, through love. Uh, loving your neighbor, loving the land, taking loving your animals, and uh, even to some extent loving them and hoping that they will wake up. And some people will. Some people um, will. I mean, more, more and more people are starting to wake up. And, and yeah. I, I'm curious because as I've been watching China and the way they control their population, I said they're really doing that experiment and showing the world how to control their population. Do you agree with that or do you disagree with that? I think uh, it's not just that they're doing it, that they were trained to do it. And the, the whole World War II deal with, uh, you know, Patton wanted to go ahead and get the communist. And he's, you know, he mysteriously died in a car accident after four years of brutal combat. They, they shut up that rhetoric immediately, and then they handed over China and Asia to the Russians who didn't fight in China or Japan in the, in the Pacific. We did. Um, and then we handed it over to them on purpose to allow stalin to spread communism and then we train mao at yale you know skull and bones go to yale train you there then we're gonna send you over it is no doubt they perfected that technocratic system there that patrick wood mm -hmm. uh i'm not sure if you know patrick i certainly know pat i've met him yeah. personally yes yeah he's Pretty he's quick. a just a phenomenal man he's, mm -hmm. he's nailed it from the beginning and that's what that's what's happening i don't think that they can maintain control but that's what they're going to try to do um through the 5g towers and cell phones and everything else and so that's why I'm, i want to get off of all that mess get rid of my iphone and um you know start to wean ourselves from the system but it's hard to do that until the, the bullets start flying right because you kind of still need it so you, yeah. you you know that's the thing and the whole monetary system as as much as i everybody can now see what's happening with dollars but that's still our legal tender so we still have to use them I haven't owned any stocks or bonds in a long time, but my personal feeling is with everything that's going on is that gold and silver are truly decentralized and outside of the system and run no counterparty risk. Yeah. It, uh, there is no way that, that the power that they've got, 
they control everything on this planet. The second you do something that's good, that's growing, they come after you. Um, and they either offer you money to get a part of your company or they wait for you to grow and then they cut your credit. Uh, there's a thousand ways that they do it. And I saw it happen in Brazil over and over again. Um, going back to gold and silver, um, I, frankly, I don't know how else you do it. Or, you know, bullets that you can sell, liquor, small liquor bottles. But really, that only so much liquor you can inventory. Um, so that's that's about you. You've, you've really nailed it the whole time. Everything that you've been saying, um, you know, I just validate what you say from Brazil. That that's that's happening here, and I it's I feel like a canary in a coal mine, um, right? And yeah, just want to scream and and kind of water hose everybody, and that ends up causing more damage than good. So I tend to be quiet these days. Well, you can't, and you know, you you talk about that, and also self censorship. I mean, I think it's interesting because people will say that I'm brave, and I don't feel brave. I don't feel I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but. The, the truth is, is there are things that I would like to say that I cannot say I'm self-censoring. And a lot of people are self-censoring because now there's only one. This is the part that drives me crazy, really. It bothers me probably the most is that there's only one opinion that matters. And it's not yours or mine. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, when you get people that are really, they're self-censoring, I mean, this is supposed to be freedom of speech. This is supposed to be America. And yet, I can't say everything that I want to say. I'm, I've got to stay in my lane so that I can continue to be of service. But um, I have other opinions, too, frankly. Well, so do I. And that's where I, uh, the more that you dig into this, research trying to you know searching for the truth right and you'll strike gold nuggets every now and then like oh gosh i mean they know how we're going to react because they've been working with the top universities in psychology and psychiatry for 120 years and they already mm -hmm. have figured out and modeling how we're going to react and they can do surveys all these surveys and all the things we sign up to on petitions and then they know yeah society now is ready to be taken over um no longer do they have that fighting spirit. No longer do they stand up for what they believe. Everyone's politically correct and they're scared them because they're just become a bunch of spoiled brats. Um, and they, they're used to doing what they want. And I think that's what's happened. And I think that's, that's the peril that we're in. I don't think there's any way out of it except for stress and hardship and chaos. And then we rebuild. And so, and so that takes us, you know, really kind of full circle to being independent and self-sufficient inside of a community of like-minded people. That's all. That's the only option that we really have. I mean, we don't have any other option. Right. Um, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna try to take away our goats and our cows, and they're gonna talk about animal agriculture. They're gonna come a thousand reasons to take away our food. But nevertheless, that, that's that's what we have to do. And then we'll have the moral authority to. Uh, protect what's ours and you have a community we're setting up local markets here where i live um doctors are, are leading that charge um really people all over are yeah uh, for beef for pork for vegetables um even service providers uh and it it's just started in the last six months and um but people are catching on and that's why they're catching on that these that the bosses are going to have to they're going to have to do something soon you know stay ahead of the power curve um, the big guys, because so, they, they know that we're talking and they know that we're getting organized and they, they do have that arrogance. That they control everything. Well, up to a point, um, up to a point. If the military, our military would not react. And if our police force would stand by the people, well, we wouldn't have a problem, would we? <laughs> right. Any problem. Um, so eventually we're going to know who the people are. They're the traitors and, and they'll pay a heavy price at some point. Because society, when you start taking food away from your family and kids, um, that's just history. So it's a certainly um, a Noah's Ark type of situation. And uh, those who are building Noah's Ark by doing following what you say, uh, they will, I think, we'll, I think we're going to survive the storm. And, um, and I think there'll be a long period of peace. And so that's well, it. I have absolute hope that that last part that you just said is absolutely true because I would like to think that we're leaving a better world for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, 
the world that it seems like they have in mind for us, the powers that be, is not really one that I want to share. That's one of my my uh, security pieces. <laughs> <laughs> one of them. That's yeah. my old girl, though. I had a I had a Brazilian dog, like a mastiff, half cross mastiff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, she, she's an English mastiff. That's, uh, uh, well, I don't. I think it's a we're in a uh, a time that. You know, you got to be careful what you say, too, especially being from Texas and bragging and all that and talking as a kid. And well, I wish I were in the old West. I wish I was a Texas Ranger. I wish I had done this. And, oh, well, here you go. Here uh, you it's go. right before you. You know, it's time to ante up and cowboy up and not just and not cower and put your tail between the legs. And and also, like I said at the beginning, the the fact that they're pushing us back into a state of survival mode. Yeah. Um, it's actually a blessing in disguise to get weaned off of all this mess that spent all the time on iPhones and Netflix and all this contaminating, you know, venom, uh, you know, and get back to being people and humans and, um, and enjoying and not not living to eat, but eating to live. Um, and that's really what we're getting pushed into. Thanks to thanks to them. And I'm not going to eat their crickets or their lab grown meat either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think we need to be as independent and self-sufficient as possible. Um, the, the, in my off-grid place, the only thing I don't have up there yet is the food, but that we're starting construction on May 1st. So the fabrication is already taking place, and, and then I'll feel comfortable. And I, I'm planning on enough for 35 people. That's, that's yeah. my plan. So, because it does, it takes a village. It takes a lot of different people with a lot of different skills to come together and survive this mess that we are in because of all of the abuse that we've endured with, without even realizing it. It's like, how do you get people to volunteer? Well, you do it really slowly until, it, until you have all the barn doors closed. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's like it. This is easy for me to see as a cattleman because uh, you, you you have to strategize how you're going to get wild cattle from various pastures into one small corral, um, and you got smart cows and lead cows, and um, so there's a there's a whole art and science to how you uh, you know deal with livestock, and so we, they treat us like livestock, and they're they're using the exact same terminology and modus operandi to put us into the digital corral, and so that. They, they will not get us all, and and um, and the people that get away will end up coming back and opening the gates for the other people. That's what's going to happen. So, I, in looking in Brazil, when I moved to with my wife to the Amazon, there were small riverine communities along rivers that were, had been landlocked that they'd gotten there back in the '60s and '70s. Uh, no electricity, no telephone, um, no cars, no motorcycles, no. Everything was natural, thatch roof, adobe huts. Uh, they lived off the land. Um, it was truly uh, just a blessing to be able to experience people when they're pure. Um, mm -hmm. And they're the happiest people you'll ever meet, healthy. And, you know, to some extent, we're being pushed back into to happiness, really, um, and leaving the rat race. And this rat race that these people have created where you have to work six days a week and, you know, and then if your kid wants to go to college, you got to play soccer 24 hours a day and then you got to get a scholarship. And then by the time you're dead, you realize, damn, all I did was work. Right. Um, so, that, yeah. So they're, they're, this reset um, is that's, that's their marketing, you know, branding. Um, but ultimately they're going to get reset. Well, exactly. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's going to actually get reset? I mean, we know the financial system and they're telling us too, social, economic, as well as financial reset. But, um, Maybe we have a choice and maybe we, I, I have hope that on the other side of this mess, that we can all come together and definitely have a system that supports the people and not just the few at the top, but the many. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm convinced of that, Lynette. I mean, I, I, uh, I guess I just, I've come to the realization that we have to run the gauntlet now. We're right. not going to stop it. Um, right. But on the other side of it, uh, we will be uh, really in a in a phenomenal spot that 
humans have never had in the history of humans. That we'll be able to have the lessons of massive evil and rebuild society that's fair, uh, that treats people with respect. And um, and so that's coming. And I'm, I, I think we'll be alive to see that. Oh, I think, I think we will. Yeah. I'm, and I'm really excited about it. And I don't, you know, it's, it's a good time to test your own principles and values and virtues and, you know, the, the revenge and anger. No, no. Uh, you know, it will, the people that did wrong will pay a price. They'll be judged um, and there'll be trials and what have you. And then, you know, we'll have to be vigilant for another thousand years uh, before it comes back. But this is the, the, like Fred Sanford and Sanford's son, this is the big one. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Wow, I haven't thought about Sanford and son in a long time. Yeah. It definitely ages us. <laughs> it sure does, yeah. We, we've covered so much and there's so much more, but uh, is there anything that you want to leave with our viewers? You know, any words of wisdom for them that we haven't I, talked I, about? Believe in people, um, you know, believe, believe in the human spirit because the human spirit at its core is a fabulous thing and it only comes out in times of crisis. And so we're gonna see millions of examples of people that are just gonna say, I've had enough of this crap yes. and no, um, and it's a time of martyrs. Uh, so I think it's, um, it's not scary to me. It's, um, uh, it's really a godsend to be alive at such a time uh, to see something so historical and then be able to have your grandkids say, man, um, look what happened back then. This is going to be a big one for sure. Um, yeah. so I, I guess my only message is the way to fight it, which I have to tell myself daily and is through love. Um, it's through love That's and love perfect. is the way to fight it and love ultimately leads you to do the right thing and treat people and animals and the land with respect. Um, and that's really the recipe that these don't want us to do. Um, so the more that we do it, the more to make them mad and, and, and the cream rises to the top and you can't keep the truth down and eventually they're going to lose. And uh, so, but if you don't realize that, then you're in a state of terror and fear. Um, right. Yeah. And that, don't be afraid. Um, that's the, the last stanza of the Ranger Creed which is the six stanzas in the Ranger Creed in the Army, is um, readily would I display their intestinal fortitude to fight on a Ranger objective and complete the mission, though I be the lone survivor. Rangers lead the way, hua. And that's that's my creed, you know? You're not going to beat me, and I will not cower, and I will do the right thing, and you're going to have to kill me to stop me. And if we all had that attitude, well, they'll never win. I love that. That's, that is absolutely perfect. I agree with it 100%. And... We'll just keep coming together in community like we are, and we will beat them. Yeah, we're going to beat them. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's no doubt about it. But you gotta, you've got to brace. You got to brace for the storm. Yeah. And when you, when you brace, you got to have concrete pillars, and you got to have your food and your security and your community and your water and your and your gold and all those things you talk about. All your pillars that you can rest upon to brace for the storm. And then it won't it won't affect your house. It'll blow right over. Exactly. Yeah. And then we live to fight another day. We live to recreate a society and a system that is definitely for the good of all. That's, that's, that's it. And that's what's going to happen. And you do a unbelievable job spreading that word. And, um, you know, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you were here today with us. Because, I mean, this has been really eye-opening and, and I'm not surprised because I did my homework and I was just excited to see you anyway. And you've, you've just brought so much value to the table. And I really want you, I want to thank you and I want to know how, I want you to know how much everybody out there that's watching appreciates it. Well, you're welcome. I guess the last thing I was just thinking is I've met these people and shake, shaking their hands, a lot of them. And those are the people that have lily white hands that uh, don't know how to work and they're living off the sweat of the hardworking people of this world and of America. And they will be taken down. Um, and that is what motivates me to do the right thing is I want to see them on trial um, for what they've done. Um, and it's all of them. It's the bankers, the people I've met in the UN conferences and all that. It has nothing to do with stopping the, or an illness or saving society. It has to do with control. Exactly. Yeah. And they're going to lose. So that's my message is they're going to lose and 
when you know them and you meet them in face to face and go, well, they're not, they're not intimidating at all. They're actually kind of losers. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, then you realize it. Well, they, you, you know, they've had it, they've had everything handed to them. When you have to work and create everything yourself, you have a lot more fortitude. Yeah. That's why they hide behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. Yep, um, exactly. They don't want anyone to see them. And when that curtain's pulled back, well, they better run. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for coming, John. Um, is there any way that anybody can get a hold of you? There, there's a way to go through our website and get a hold of me. Um, we just want to create a movement. Um, we want to create a movement of doing good. Um, and the more, the merrier. And it's that, that simple. So. Well, count me into that movement. Absolutely. Right. And with that, that's it for today. And until next we meet, please be safe out there. Bye-bye.